0: Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo! Pato,
1: Pato, Pato, and Panda,
0: Panda, in the Morning! morning. Panda and
1: Pato (laughs) in the Morning! It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the L.A. Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman L.A. Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello everybody,
0: welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host Josh Gessman, joining me as always Mr. Kevin Baxter on a special Memorial Day edition of the podcast coming to you on Monday, May 28th after the LA Galaxy's one nothing win over the San Jose Earthquakes on Friday night and of course getting you ready for the midweek matchup between the LA Galaxy and FC Dallas. So we've got a bunch of things to talk about, we don't want to waste too much time, we want to dive... Right into it, so let's talk to Mr. Kevin Baxter, see how your uh, your weekend is going there. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Hey, the panda's in the house. The panda, it's pandemonium, as they say. Yeah,
2: I, I just got back from uh, uh, the fjords of Sweden, which is, you know, is the native uh, habitat of the uh, panda. Right. So I'm back from that. Um, and we are recording this, as you said, on Memorial Day, right? And when are you going to actually put this up?
0: Uh, today. It'll be out today, so a Monday on Monday. As soon as we're done here, it'll go up in the next
1: hour.
2: But obviously it's not going to be up in time for um, the Mexican national team game, which I'll be leaving. That's why we're recording in the morning, by the way. I'll be leaving for the Mexican national team game. So um, maybe we should do something in post-production um, to make it look like the show is actually live or, or at least done Monday night so we could have the results of the Mexican national Uh, team game in there, with Giovanni and and Jonathan Dos Santos both rejoining the Mexican national team for the first time. So how about this? Look, I'll give you a couple of snippets, and then in post-production, you can put in the appropriate one. Like For example, I'll say, wow, Josh, did you see that Mexican national team game today? Man, Jonathan and or Gio Dos Santos looked really good. Did you see that goal? That was incredible by Jonathan or Gio Dos Santos. So that that would be one. And then the other one would be Wow. Did you see that Mexican national team game today, Josh? Boy, Jonathan and or Gio Dos Santos did not look good. Um, I think that they should keep those reservations at Buffalo Wild Wings because that's where they're going to be watching the World Cup.
0: OK, good. We got that one that you have to go for the for the other obvious one, though, Kevin, which is, wow, Giovanni and Jonathan Dos Santos didn't play in this game because they just joined the Mexico camp a little bit late and they're, and they're not going to play.
2: Well, we could add that, too. Most people don't know. I am actually speaking to you right now, as you know, in, in Arabic with a, my you know, trademark Southern Twang, and you actually take the Arabic with the Southern Twang, and you actually, uh, in post-production, I don't know how you do it, but you make me sound like listeners are hearing me sound right now, and so um, the post-production stuff that you do is amazing, and I'm sure we can, we <sighs> can get some me- Mexican national team stuff in there without it being too much of a hassle.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'll definitely try to, uh, yeah, uh-huh, work on that. As soon as I can. Anyway, LA Galaxy uh, one nothing win over the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, okay, listen, um, I don't know how to say this kindly or gently to Galaxy fans, Kevin. I don't know how to tell people around the league um, what they already saw, and probably the neutrals, you know, hit it right on the head pretty quickly on this. Um, that was a horrible game. That was a oh, hor- it was the
2: worst game I've seen in a long time. That
0: that was a game of two teams. Who are supposed to be rivals, Kevin. I mean, this is this is the Cali Classico. It has a long, long history of these two teams not liking each other. And this is supposed to be a rivalry game. And what it devolved into was two teams trying not to suck. That's the only way I could say it. I said it in my post-game write-up of the teams that they were trying not to suck, and this wasn't a Cali Classico. And it really sort of shows how far both these teams have fallen right now. And the fact they couldn't even muster up some. Pushing and shoving, some interesting play, some some passionate play throughout this game. There, there was none of that. There was nothing. I almost fell asleep in the first half. I almost fell asleep in the second half. Uh, it was it was a horrible game, and I feel bad for everybody who had to watch it. Except for the fact that I'm sure Galaxy
2: fans enjoyed the weekend because they got three points out of it and and survived it. Well, a couple things. If they were trying, if both teams are trying not to suck, both teams failed miserably because they both sucked. Yes. Uh, and you mentioned it's the Cali Classic. I I, I really. You know, I've never bought that hype. I think that's manufactured stuff. Yeah, it's Northern California versus Southern California. And everyone looks at the Dodgers, Giants, you know, back in the day, the Rams, 49ers. Um, it, it, you know, it it doesn't, you know, Cal and, and, and Stanford versus UCLA and USC. It doesn't necessarily follow. It, it has to be organic. And I just, you know, in the last five or six years, I think the Galaxy rival have been Seattle, And now it's going to be LAFC. So this is, in my mind, this has never really been that rivalry people make it out to be. I think it's more for the fans than the players. Although this was a unique case because you had Dominic Kinnear on, on the sidelines, the guy San Jose had fired, and you had David Bingham in goal for the Galaxy, the guy that San Jose had let go and traded. And then you had Chris, uh, Chris Wondolowski on the field for San Jose trying to break Landon Donovan's all-time MLS scoring record. So there was reason for this to be a little bit uh, uh, more emotional, uh, more charged than it was. And it was a horrible game. Uh, neither neither team with a shot on goal until after the 80th minute. Interestingly, though, you talk about the Galaxy fans celebrating. I'm wondering a little bit if, if where is the Galaxy? And they won their last two games, first two-game winning streak. Uh, in over a, in almost a year. I think it's uh, about 363 days or something. It was May 27th of last year. So first two-game winning streak in a year. Um, both consecutive shutouts. First time they've done that since uh, 2016. But they struggled to beat two really, really bad teams. Granted, in Montreal, they were a, a man down in the second half, and they got a, a one nothing win. It was a gutty win, and, and Ziggy Schmidt talked a little bit about that after the San Jose game. Then they come in and play San Jose at home, a place they are trying to turn into a fortress and not having much success with, um, and it's a terrible game. They don't get a shot on goal after the 80th minute. They need a, a Roman Alessandrini, who's you know nev- never never going to get defender of the year honors, saves a ball off the line to preserve the victory in the in the final closing seconds. Not a good performance, and it leaves me wondering, what kind of Galaxy team is it? Yes, they got two wins, but they were against crappy teams and they were terrible games Uh, the galaxy still has a lot uh, they got the maximum six points congratulations but the galaxy they got a lot to prove to me because i just didn't see a very good team in either one of those games.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a difficult balance, and and here's where the difficult balance comes in: is they're beating teams they should beat, right? We know Montreal is horrible, we know San Jose is horrible, so the Galaxy are are at least elevating themselves above the horrible teams, which is an improvement from last year. So just take it as a step forward in that term. But you're but you're right. I mean there was nothing in this game that gives you overall overall reaching hope for the rest of the season, except that the defense has stepped up in the last two games, and however you want to you know put that as against Montreal who wasn't particularly dangerous against San Jose who was who came out in a purely defensive set to even start this game So apparently they were worried about the LA Galaxy's offense as much as the uh, the Galaxy were uh, were trying to sort of fortify their defensive side of things as well. So I mean, it it just you don't take it you can you can take little bits and pieces of each of these games, Kevin, but you certainly can't sit there and say, oh, this is a uh, this is where the Galaxy have turned around, uh, turned the page, and everything's going now. They have a game coming up midweek, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But against FC Dallas, you have a bona fide good team. Uh, From the Western Conference, probably one of the top four teams in the Western Conference. In fact, they sit fourth right now. But uh, a game where the Galaxy had just played them not too long ago. So you're going to get to see a sense if the Galaxy have grown in the last couple, you know, two, three, four weeks uh, since the last time they played FC Dallas and didn't look totally horrible. Here's, Here's my... Here's my overall sort of thought on the Galaxy right now, Kevin, is that because the Western Conference is so bad this year and that there are a lot of mediocre teams, that the LA Galaxy feel like they're fitting right into the rest of all those mediocre teams. I just, I don't see them separating themselves from the total bottom, but you certainly say that the Galaxy are probably better than, you know, Minnesota and the Galaxy are better than the San Jose Earthquakes and the Galaxy are better than a team like Montreal. So you're starting to see which teams the Galaxy are better than and last year, that was a difficult thing to sort of prove. I think we said uh, maybe D.C. United last year, and Minnesota were probably the teams the Galaxy were better than. But they ended up uh, underneath both of those teams whenever it, uh, it finally came to a close. So, yeah, I mean, from this team, do you, do you put any stock, Kevin, in the defensive stands that you've seen in the last two games? Do you feel like there's more chemistry within these
2: defenses? Well, you know, in the case in the case of both teams, I think they were playing teams that were struggling. Um so I'm not sure that you, you necessarily put that on the Galaxy or do you sort of uh, credit the other team or blame the other team for not being dangerous. Um, you're right about the Dallas game. I'm really looking at this Dallas game as as a barometer uh, for the Galaxy because you're right. They played them just recently. They lost 3-2. to It was a good game. The Galaxy actually outshot them 19-10. to those, those are total shot shots on goal. Dallas led 4-3. to But, you know, the Galaxy outshot them. They played very well. It was a goal uh, very late, I, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. No, actually, actually, the, in the 52nd minute was the uh, was what proved to be the deciding goal. The Galaxy came back. But the point is, the Galaxy played well in that game. It was on the road. They lost by one goal. They could have won the game. Or at least could have got out of there with a tie. That's what Ziggy Schmidt thought. He thought they should have got out of there with a point. So now Dallas comes home, or home for the Galaxy. They come into the StubHub Center, a place the Galaxy talk about trying to turn into a little bit of a fortress and get some of that Home field advantage back, so you know again the Galaxy could lose this game, but if they play well, I think it's a step forward. They've got to play better than they played the last two games. I mean, I don't think you can go uh, much lower than than the performance last two games. And granted, they got six points. I'm sure they'd rather have the six points than a great display of 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 soccer in which they lose. So I think this game is going to be big. And you know, another thing to add into this is uh, the Galaxy are getting Ibrahimovic back, and uh, you know, Ola Kamara. With that second-half goal in Montreal, looked pretty good. Ramon Alessandrini scored the goal that beat San Jose. I thought he's looked uh, looked pretty good in that game, although the Galaxy uh, were not dangerous for much of the night. I thought that Alessandrini played a pretty good game. Um, So I'll be interested to see what happens when Zlatan comes back, whether because both those guys look like they felt a little bit more free to move around and to create um, like they weren't worried about where Slotan was or whether he was looking over the shoulder or whether he was going to criticize them for something that they had done. I, I do think that is becoming an issue a little bit as Zlatan gets frustrated with the losing. So, again, both those guys looked a little bit free, looked a little more confident. I'm going to be watching to see if that continues in the Dallas game, as it should. um, I think with Zlatan coming back, I think he needs to fit into the lineup as much as those guys need to create space for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's it. It was an interesting lineup put out by Siggy Schmidt to start with as well. I mean, just with the fact that they started actually Cole on the bench, and we talked to Siggy Schmidt after the game, and he said, uh, you know, with a multitude of games coming up, the LA Galaxy will play uh, this Wednesday, they'll play Saturday, they'll play Wednesday, and they'll play Saturday again. Um, so a very busy stretch of, stretch, of, stretch, of games that Siggy was looking to maybe rest some players and get some players uh, a little bit of breathers, so they gave Cole uh, an, another uh, couple minutes off there. He eventually came on in the second second half. Um, but, uh, you know, Emre Clementa came in and Dave Romney reprised his left back role. So, um, you know, I was actually impressed with the LA Galaxy's defense with Siani, Shelvick, and Romney. I think Clementa is still a little out of his depth there. Um, he had a couple sketchy moments in the San Jose game. Uh, so it, it's still a little bit of a learning process. You had uh, Perry Kitchen and Sebastian Lejet being paired together again in the defensive midfield sort of side of there. And when you look at that and what you're really saying, or at least what I'm saying, Kevin, whenever you see this is that they're saying that Sebastian Legette can play defense. Uh, they're saying that he can play defense along Perry Kitchen and that he can be sort of that that link up to Jonathan Dos Santos, who, again, won't be there for this FC Dallas game. Uh, Gio Dos Santos won't be there for the FC Dallas game. These guys are now with Mexico in the Mexico camp. And ultimately, whether or not they They'll make be
2: it... Back.
0: They'll be back soon. I don't know that they will be. Maybe Gio. That's the that's all the thing. I think Jonathan Dos Santos has sort of found a uh, a spot there for uh, for Mexico. But we'll certainly see. But if they're gone, uh you know, you're going to have another change in the lineup in um you know, against FC Dallas and I think that could be okay because I'm not so sure that Jonathan Dos Santos was that great link that they wanted him to be that playmaker, and maybe Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, so I think you could see a very similar lineup that what you saw against uh, San Jose with Clemente Siani, Shelvic Romney, I think Cole probably comes back in Romney goes back to right back uh, and then I think Kitchen and Leggett is probably standard there, Roman Alessandrini on the right wing uh, Chris Pontius on the left wing, I know a lot of people don't like that, uh, Kevin, I know that they're, they're sort of scrambling to see uh, Emmanuel Boateng get some starts but I think that Boateng has been cementing himself as that second half sub in my mind.
2: Yeah, I've always felt that was the best uh, spot for him. He talked about that after training last week and someone asked him, what, you know, made the point that look, you're great off the bench and, and you really change the uh, you know, the flow of the game and you're very valuable. Do, w- do you like that role or would you rather start? And, and Boateng, who as you know is a very good natured guy, looked at the reporter and said, what do you think? You know, yeah. obviously he wants to start and he feels like he's earned that opportunity and it's hard to disagree with him. But at the same token, I think he's much more valuable to the team right now coming off the bench.
0: Yeah, he, he seems to be. So if you put uh, if you put Chris Pontius back out there, if you allow Pontius to play that left wing role again, um, I'm not sure the Galaxy have much of a choice there in some of these decisions. Uh, maybe you can do go back to a four-four-one-one where you stack Ola Kamara up above Zlatan Ibrahimović and let Zlatan come back and be the playmaker. I know there's people around the league who don't necessarily agree with that take. Um, I don't really care what most of those people say. What we've been seeing so far is that Ola Kamara needs to be in the center of the formation, and he needs to be up top as much as possible. And if that happens, as that happens, I think that he's going to be more successful, and I think that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to be more successful as well. So we'll see what C. Schmidt decides to do. Could move Ola Kamara back to a a left spot. You could uh, possibly find another midfielder in there. You could do a whole bunch of other things, Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how the lineup, because in San Jose, I think this lineup was effective defensively, uh, not so much offensively. And Chris Pontius missed an early header uh, right at the beginning of the game that possibly could have seen the LA Galaxy go up one nothing very, very early. Um, but, uh, you know, that didn't happen. And so uh, I think people are going to continue to be critical of Chris Pontius as this goes forward, Kevin. But, I mean, in terms of the San Jose game, I enjoyed the defensive effort. For the most part, I thought Perry Kitchen had one of his better games for the Galaxy. I thought Shelvik had one of his better games. and We talked to him after uh, after the game, and he seems like there's a lot more confidence there. Kevin uh, seems like maybe he's figuring some out. Siggy Schmidt talking about how Shelvik still has to learn this league and get adjusted, and uh, Jorgen sort of you know mirrored that whenever we we mentioned that he said yeah he goes you know I'm still getting used to it. He goes but it's just it's all the guys, it's all the people around him, and the fact that they kept changing and all these things, and that's been. Sort of one of the calling cards of the of the postgame press conferences, Kevin, is Siggy Schmidt talking about how much these lineups have changed um, from from day to day, game to game with injuries and everybody being out and different things like that. So, um, you know, maybe the Galaxy are starting to get a little bit more comfortable there. But offensively, they seem like there was a lot of standing around and, and not much production uh, against San Jose.
2: Well, you know, you go ahead. No, 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 please. Yeah, you talked about the header that, that that missed very early in the game. There's also a, an attempt by Ola Kamara, I think it was early in the game as well, when he again tried a bicycle kick. It's like three games in a row I think he's tried that and failed miserably. I mean, he, he's got to get off the bike. It, does, it just doesn't look good, especially when you look at, uh, at Gareth Bale in the Champions League final. I mean, wow, that was incredible. Uh, Ola's got to stay on his feet, I think. Uh, but, but you're right about, uh, I think the – the $60,000, $64,000, whatever it's worth now question for the Galaxy offensively is with Zlatan back, what does happen to Kamara? You're right. He's much better up front in the center. That's where he's most effective. That's where Zlatan wants to play. I, I, I haven't seen enough of Zlatan to know right now in MLS where he's most effective. But somebody has to step back and let the other guy go forward. And uh, Ziggy's got to make that call. I think Zlatan has earned that with the incredible career that he's had. If, if you're going to call that the premier uh, you know, position, like an opening day starting pitcher in baseball, that, that needs to go Zlatan. But it, you know, if, if, if Ziggy can come up with a formation that makes Zlatan feel valuable and, and makes the team more dangerous, I'm sure that he would go for it because I think at this point what he wants to do is win. By the way, here's a stat. You know the Galaxy's last three wins that was against Chicago, Montreal, and San Jose have all been one to nothing victories and uh Bingham now has four shutouts which kind of snuck up on you a little bit
0: yeah and you know he's been uh he's not been seeing as many shots either again if we're talking about the progression, of the defense, Kevin, it feels like one, they've been playing bad teams. That certainly has helped. Um, and two, is that the defense has slowed the sieve of shots on goal that uh, that it currently was at the beginning of the season. Uh, at one point, David Bingham was tied for, I think, third or second in the league with facing the most shots. And, uh, you know, that's not a good proposition for, for goalkeepers, is, you know, the more times they're tested, the more times uh, something can sneak by and get in the back of the net, and they're not going to be able to save them all. So you limit those chances, and I think the Galaxy have done better. Galaxy now 4-0-0 when they score the first goal, Kevin. um, That's a huge stat for them. They need to score the first goal. They need to keep people off. And clearly, by the way Siggy Schmidt is setting these teams up, Kevin, it feels like defense first. And it's probably why the team has failed so miserably at the beginning of this season is they tried to play defense first and their defense wasn't solid. Uh, In these games against weaker opponents, their defense has been able to stay solid, has been able to stay together, and that has set them up for success in these games. I mean, Roman Alessandrini gets a huge, you know, sort of shout out. First of all, the guy goes 90 minutes, Kevin, for I think the first time in a long time. Uh, Usually he's subbed out in about the 65th minute or so, uh, and this time he stays in, he gets on the end of a ball, and uh, obviously Emma Boateng coming in and and providing that spark in the second half certainly helped. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos even coming into the game may have helped a little bit as well, Um, but you look at that, and Roman Alessandrini hit the bullet that I think everybody was sort of waiting for him, and you saw um, Kevin talking to him after the game, just his shoulders a little more relaxed, uh, a little bit more joking, Uh, He seems like maybe he really, really needed that goal in order to calm his nerves a little bit. Because you're talking about a guy, Ramon Alessandrini, Kevin, who led the team in goals and assists last year um, and has struggled to find the back of the net this year. And however you want to say whether or not it's because the offense doesn't run completely through him. I mean, yes and no. I think there's a certain part to that, but I'll also say that he has not been finishing chances that he's gotten. And he's been a little unlucky as well. So um, I, I think it's good for the Galaxy to see him have success, play 90 minutes, not get subbed out, Score the game winning goal. And and that helps the Galaxy huge, hugely whenever they're going against FC Dallas, where you're going to need a guy like Ramon Alessandrini to really step up and try to score some more goals from that right hand side. He's so dangerous over there, Kevin. You have to expect more from him.
2: Well, he, you see him a lot like Robbie Keane uh, always going after referees. He get, he really gets into the game. You talk to him. He's a, he's a really nice kind of very soft-spoken guy on the field. He's a totally different person. And what that tells me is that he is an emotional player and he feeds off that emotion. So, and, and Robbie Keane was the same way. And so if, if, if he feels like he's not being rewarded, if that uh, emotion is not being rewarded by whatever factor you want to use, by by success uh, scoring, by not getting the ball, you know, if teammates kind of lock him out and he doesn't get the ball. It, you talked about in Montreal when he came off the field and he kicked the water bottle. And I don't think he shook hands with Ziggy and he went straight to the bench. He was very upset at coming out early again. You, you don't think Romano is going to remember that in this game, not only did he score the only goal of the game, in the final minutes again had to be on the field to do that but he also saved the game with clearing a ball off the line so i I think he's going to remember that that he was in at the end of the game and made a difference on both ends and i i think if he gets a chance he will remind Ziggy schmidt of that i I think this was a big game for him because it, it restored his confidence and i think perhaps it showed to management that he's a guy that deserves to be on the field at the end but you made another good point about the defense it, you know, we've mentioned many times that this is the most expensive back four in the league. The Galaxy spent more on defense uh, than they did in any other uh, than any other team did, and this was the team that Ziggy rebuilt right over the winter. Right, he did it in his design, the way that he wanted it. And so when he comes back with the most expensive defense in the league, that tells you that that's how he expects to win games. That defense is what he is emphasizing. That's very unusual to me on a team that has Giovanni dos Santos making six million. Uh, his brother, Jonathan, Roman Alessandrini, the other designated player. Then they got Zlatan. Then, then they had Ola Kamara. That's a very potent offense, or it should be. Yet Ziggy continues to stress the defense. And, and I know you've disagreed with that a little bit. But Ziggy talked after the game. He said, uh, you know, uh, we asked him about the fact that, look, you, you beat two pretty bad teams, but you did beat them. And you did get it out one time with 10 men. Is that uh, turning the corner? And he said, the main thing is that we've played to zero. And we said at halftime, if we can keep it to zero, we'll find a goal. This is a team that will somehow find a goal. You know what? Yes, he's, he's right. He, that's what happened, and it sounds like that's what his philosophy is. But when you got – again, Zlatan wasn't in the game, but when you have Ola Kamara, Romano Alessandrini, the Dos Santos brothers, Sebastian Lejet, that's not a team that should be finding a goal. That's a team that should be scoring goals in bushels. And I wonder if there's something – with the approach that we're going to play defense first, we're going to park the bus, and we're going to hope Ola Kamara steals a goal. Hey, look at what he's done. He doesn't steal goals. He scores them. Yeah. you got to wonder if maybe they, they need to put this thing in drive rather than just try to run neutral and, and and get around the track that way.
0: Yeah, it's my biggest disagreement with how this team is currently being played, how this team is currently being asked sure. to play, uh, is the focus on, hey, hey, I'm all for, you know, shutouts, Kevin. I, I love good defensive stands, but the fact is that with a, with a team that's this offensive, why are you not scoring three, four, five goals? And granted, in games that they have scored a lot of goals, they've given up a lot of goals. So, I mean... Maybe there's a balance to it that Siggy sees better than I do, and, and certainly Siggy Schmidt is a is a smarter soccer coach than I have ever been in the league because I have never been in the league and I've never been a soccer coach. But I've watched enough soccer to know that a team as talented as this is, Kevin, offensively, needs to do more, and they shouldn't beat San Jose by just one goal. I, I, I don't want to be the complainer. I don't want to be the complainer that complains about wins, Kevin. Whenever the Galaxy are doing something that they haven't done in a while, which is win games, and by the way, tied the, their home wins for the total of the 2017 season uh, whenever they beat San Jose. So they have three home wins in 2018. They had three home wins total in 2017. 14 points at home total in uh, in 2017. So uh, now the LA Galaxy looking to match that home record as well. And, and it's just... I look at that and I say that there's something wrong with this team if you can't set it up offensively to score more than one goal against the San Jose Earthquakes. And but quite honestly, Roman Alessandrini rescued this team on that game. All right. It's you you can point to some other individual players. And again, the defense kept it close, and that's great. You can point to them, but Roman Alessandrini took a bad idea from Emmanuel Boateng which was to run into the center of the field he got covered by two guys he got the ball stripped away from him but held off long enough Kevin was able to shield the ball long enough for Ramon Alessandrini to get on the end of it and he scored a goal all right and it was a rocket and it took a special something about 25 yards out it took something special to beat a San Jose team that is god-awful. And that's my big problem with that. And it's my problem with any, you know, any heaping too much praise on any of these guys. Roman Alessandrini deserves the most amount of praise. Uh, Ima Bootang may lead the team in assists, Kevin, with four, but I can tell you that he didn't deserve the assists that he got with Roman Alessandrini there, and he probably didn't deserve the assist with Ola Kamara's one against uh, against Montreal as well, where he headed the ball forward sort of blindly, and Ola Kamara dribbled it halfway down the field, beat two defenders, and scored a goal. You're getting stuff out of these guys, but you can't lean on those statistics to tell you that this Galaxy team is playing anywhere near their potential, especially when they can only score one goal against the San Jose Earthquakes.
2: Well, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about how this team is kind of hanging around and, and that the Western Conference is bad, and <clears throat> excuse me, the Western Conference is bad and that it's OK. You know, the Galaxy can wait uh, to catch fire like the rest of the conference. But things are changing. You know, Portland has won its last six in a row and it's finally coming on and, and it hasn't lost at home, uh, you know, for about 100 years. Um, it, Vancouver, you know, has draw, have played to draws in their last four games. They've only lost one of their last six. So they're playing pretty well. Uh, Sporting Kansas City ha- is unbeaten in its last four. Um, so some of the other teams are starting to heat up. Even Minnesota is unbeaten in its last two. So um, the conference is starting to get better. Uh, Houston unbeaten in its last four. Uh, you know, Dallas coming in, they're starting to get better. They're unbeaten in their last four, two wins and two draws. So the Galaxy do have to pick it up at some point. They can't just uh, – uh, expect everyone else to be mediocre for the rest of the season, and that's going to be good enough. The Galaxy right now, if the, if the season ended today and it's not going to, the Galaxy would be outside looking in at a playoff berth. Uh, Vancouver just ahead of them. So they do need to at some point catch a little fire in this. Uh, beating bad teams 1-0 uh, is not going to get it done, I don't think.
0: Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, one of the things to do in the Western Conference, too, is to also look at your points per game as well, because if you do points per game, the Galaxy would be in the playoffs right now. So it's not not horrible, um, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, sort of poo-poo the fact that the Galaxy have won two in a row. That should be something that should be celebrated. But uh, as my uh, co-host on Thursday night, uh, Eric said um, after the game, he tweeted out. He said, "Let's not, let's not lie that these w- last two wins have you've seen more duct tape than substance on this stuff, right? I mean, you've seen a Galaxy team string some stuff together, pull some things together in order to try and uh, and and beat some bad teams, and they've done that so." you know one tip your hat to the galaxy for winning games that they should win kevin because that's something that we you know that we haven't seen in the last couple of years um, but two is they haven't solved the big problems and i still feel like they're relying on the wrong portion of this galaxy team you have a very offensive team a very uh, amazing, talented offensive side of things. Whenever you really look at the front six, um, maybe the front five, even the front four, you can really narrow it down. Tell me, coaches around the league wouldn't die to have some of those things. And the Galaxy are, you know, sort of scraping by 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 you know Roman Alessandrini digging out. That that game had zero zero draw written all over it Kevin um, and if Roman Alessandrini doesn't score that that very well could have been a uh, a game where neither team had a shot on goal because San Jose wasn't going to try to push anything with that score 0-0 Ramon Alessandrini scoring in the 82nd minute and then uh, of course David Bingham let's let's talk let's I forgot to even mention him and that's that's a crime in this because he was asked to do one thing on the night Kevin one thing, and he did it. He made a miraculous save. Uh, that's a Jaime Bonanno-esque save, and I don't care who disagrees with me. That was what you wanted from David Bingham. That ball is back and behind him. Uh, Danny Hosen hit that ball uh, after it comes off the wall it ricochets back to him and he hits a screamer Kevin that was going into the back of the net as soon as he hit it it wasn't even a question that that was a goal David Bingham reaches back behind him able to get, just get enough of the ball tip it off the underside of the bar and then Roman Alessandrini saves the day again so Roman Alessandrini is the hero uh, I think David Bingham is a sidekick right now so Batman and Robin there uh, in terms of saving the galaxy and I can sort of point to those two individual efforts for a very minimal amount of time as the reason the LA Galaxy uh, didn't suck as bad as the San Jose Earthquakes on the night.
2: Well, you mentioned that Eric said that the this w- the, it's a team with less substance and more duct tape. Look, it's Pato tape. Okay, he's got to <laughs> think marketing. He's <laughs> got to think trademark. Okay? That's right. That's right. We've got to get him on board with this. It's Pato tape. Okay. Now, as far as the other stuff, um, you know, again, you said you know it should have been a scoreless tie. If it ended in a scoreless tie, I think the referee should have blown a whistle and said, "Everybody back on the field. Let's do this again and let's get it right." <laughs> Right. Because this this is two teams, again, Ola Kamara, Roman Alessandrini, uh, Gio and Jonathan Dos Santos, who both played, is the, only the second time they've been on the field together uh, since the New York City game, which was the second game of the season. So uh, imagine that, $8 million a designated player. And it was their second time together on the field uh, since the New York City game. Um, so two alleged national team players uh, on the field, um, Sebastian Leggett, a U.S. national team player, uh, in world cup qualifying and Chris Wondolowski, the second leading scorer in the history MLS. And those two teams went into the 80, and uh, went past 80 minutes without a shot on goal. I mean, come on, that is, that's absolutely ridiculous. And there's just no way to explain that other than, than just a uh, complete ineptitude, uh, on the part of both teams. And so, like I said, I think if the referee would have got to a point, uh, where it would have ended without a shot on goal, you, you just got to keep playing until somebody wakes up. Um, so it, but they won. they got three points. And um, it, you know they they're gonna live to to play another day and and that'll come Wednesday and and you know, this is the the first team that the Galaxy are playing for the second time. Uh, they played them on the road, now they play them at home. and and as you said, that gives a really good opportunity for people to measure how how much the galaxy have grown. Now granted, it's only been a couple of weeks, I think three weeks since they played Dallas. But still, it is a chance to see them play against the same team, a team they lost to, play against them again. And see what Ziggy has figured out.
0: Yeah, that is going to be. I I think an important part of this is what what have the what have what has Siggy figured out? What has he seen in this team that he can now adjust against FC Dallas? I mean, I'll give Siggy and and the coaching staff credit for this, Kevin. This team is a better second half team than they are a first half team. Almost always, there's an adjustment that's made at halftime that seems to provide at least a positive performance from the Galaxy going forward. So their second halves have been better. So you know, is the second half of the season going to be better? Whenever you start playing some of these teams twice whenever the Galaxy get a little bit more comfortable. I'll I'll say this, though. Let me contradict myself completely over everything that I've just said, Um, you know, through the first 30 minutes of this show, Kevin, is that, you know, I was interested to see how the Galaxy would play without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I will say this. They are more comfortable without him out there on the field in terms of how this team is set up and how this team is built. I'm not of the opinion that the LA galaxy are a better team without Zlatan Ibrahimović. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm certainly saying that the formation that they line themselves up in is a much more favorable formation for them. And it's one of the reasons that it plays to a lot of strengths of a lot of players. Um, I think that without Giovanni dos Santos and Jonathan dos Santos, the galaxy may be able to recreate some of that comfort in terms of putting players in their best positions. Um, With Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the field. So I like them in terms of their comfort level inside that formation, the 4 2 3. One, um, the four-five-one, however you sort of want to classify that, um, they look comfortable there. Now, if you can get, you know, a four-four-one-one, one, um, and you have to understand that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to have to come back and play a little defense on occasion. See, that's sort of the whole problem there. That's the whole big issue with putting Ola Kamara above it is that Kevin, if you're going to say which one of those two guys, if Ola Kamara or Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which one is going to play more defense, you're going to say it's Ola Kamara every time, which is why he probably fits underneath Zlatan. Ibrahimovic better than if he's up above him. But I just, my mind doesn't like it. I don't like the way it looks and I want Ola Kamara stretching that defense and being able to play back to a guy who can play a playmaker role like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But uh, again, they were more comfortable in the formation that they played without Zlatan against San Jose.
2: You know, as speaking of Zlatan, the poor man's Zlatan Ibrahimović, which is uh, Alan Gordon, yes, Galaxy Alumni News, scored a game-winning goal uh, oh, last week. He, he's played 10 games, 340 minutes, so 34 minutes in the 10 games that he's played. Uh, he has nine shots, six on goal, and two goals. Yes. That's pretty good. Um, but getting back to and and more Galaxy Alumni News, I think we have to keep the drumbeat going on this. Jassy's artist continues to lead the league with eight goals. He would lead the league outright. He's tied for the league now. He'd lead the league outright, but he had a penalty shot stopped uh, in last weekend's game. But Getting back to the Galaxy a little bit, you mentioned this at the top. I, I want to talk about this too. Ashley Cole starts the game on the bench. One of the explanations that we were given was that uh, as you mentioned, that the, there's a lot of games coming up. We have the U.S. Open Cup game now. Um, certainly, Ashley Cole's not going to play in that game. So that really is on the schedule, but I don't think it's on Ashley Cole's schedule. Um, but we were told that uh, one of the things that Ziggy may have been thinking was that he wanted to reward the team that played in Montreal that gutted out that victory with 10 men in the second half. And so he pretty much started the same lineup. I think it might have been exactly the same lineup with uh, Zlatan, not in the lineup because he was suspended. Um that's nice. You know, uh, Bruce Arena tried that in World Cup qualifying after they beat Panama. He tried to reward the team by starting the same lineup against Trinidad and Tobago, and we know how that worked out. Uh, you know, it, Ziggy's heart might have been in the right place. Let's reward these guys for a tough game four days later. But um, I don't think you reward a team for one victory by then uh, almost losing a game that they should win at home, which almost looked like what was going to happen. You know, the the, the lineup just – they 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 didn't have a shot, right? I mean, what else can you say? So he starts the same lineup, and Ashley Cole, one of his best players, and his captain starts on the bench. Um, Again, if you're trying to rest people because there's a number of games, don't you give a guy a day off four days after he's played 90 minutes and put Ashley Cole, who didn't even make the trip, don't you put him in the game? Uh, I don't think – I didn't buy that argument either rewarding the guys or the idea that, that Ashley needed to rest after already having a full week off and not making the trip. So I'm not really sure what the reason was there. But I don't think it was a good decision, and also giving the armband to Jonathan dos Santos, in my mind, was a horrible decision for a number of reasons. Jonathan has not been there for the team this year. Um, we can talk about his, the injuries. Maybe he, you know, maybe he he really is seriously hurt. I'm not buying it. I remember the calf injury in warmups when he went off the field, and Ziggy afterwards said uh ziggy couldn't even talk about the injury said you have to ask jonathan we sort of found out later that jonathan and geo met and talked about the injury and then jonathan went to ziggy and said i'm not playing that's not the way it's supposed to work player goes to the trainer the trainer makes the decision goes to the coach and advises him and then the coach makes the decision the trainer says this guy is okay it's not that bad he could re-injure himself whatever it is the coach makes the decision a player does not go to the coach and say essentially i'm worried about the world cup so i'm not going to play in this game that you're paying me two million dollars a year to play in so and the team knows that it's i i don't have to go tell the players that the team knows that we've seen players when we ask about the dos santos brothers roll their eyes about the latest injury so giving Gio the armband when you have Alessandrini, your leading scorer uh from the year before out there when you have sebastian legette who busted his butt to get back from that uh Liz, Liz Frax fracture. Is that how you say it? From,
0: Liz, Liz Frank. I think Lynn Lynn's Frank. I think that was
2: Lynn Lynn Liz Frank. I remember her well. She was a good friend of mine. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, the foot problem. Uh, he busted his hump to get back and he did get back and he's played well. Uh, just so many guys that deserve David Bingham, uh, you know, give it to him against San Jose. What did that would have been a great call. I just don't think, you know, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos may have been the best player on the team. You, you know, he did, uh, 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 from what I could tell, a competent job in, in captaining the team. I just don't think at that point a guy who's missed most of the team's games and is about to leave them, I just don't think he deserved the armband. I thought Ashley should have started. I thought Ashley should have had the armband if Ashley didn't start for whatever reason. Don't give it to Jonathan. I I, I really felt that was a, a, a bad decision, and I felt pretty strong about it when I saw, that, saw it happen on Friday, and I still feel bad about it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, here's the thing, and it's it sort of, you know, maybe it's a little insight, maybe it's not. Um, talking to players, Kevin, it, it always seems like they, they really do like the Dos Santos brothers. Uh, I think that a lot of the angst that comes through um, from the fan side doesn't necessarily make its way into the locker room for those guys. So, you know. I don't, I didn't like it. I still don't like it. I'm with you. Um, I don't like the fact that Jonathan Dos Santos was given the armband when there were clearly other people who I think deserved it more. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini, uh, you know, you could have had uh, Ola Kamara there. Um, really, you know, Perry Kitchen, David Bingham. There were a lot of guys on that team who could have had the armband before Jonathan Del Santos. I don't know what statement is trying to be made there by Siggy Schmidt. I mean, Jonathan Dos Santos has not been one of those guys who has been handed the armband here on occasion. Uh, Maybe it's a motivational thing. Maybe he's, excuse me, maybe he's trying to, uh, you know, sort of force Jonathan Dos Santos to be more of a leader. But you do it just before the guy's leaving. And, you know, we're pretty much in agreement. Jonathan Dos Santos is going to Russia. Uh, It's probably that Gio Dos Santos is going as well. I'll be amazed and surprised if both of them end up back on the Galaxy uh, anytime soon. But, you know, maybe maybe it's a mode. It just doesn't make sense to me, and it feels like whenever the galaxy's armband was handed to a guy like Jermaine Jones last year, or whenever Yellow von Dom was the captain and you know did nothing, captain like for for the beginning of the season, and you know she probably should have had the armbands taken away from him. I mean, Kurt Knoffel benched his captain. That's how bad it was last year. Um, so you look at all these things that that have played into it, and it just to me it, it rubs it rubs the team the wrong way. Uh, it rubs the way that the Galaxy have sort of been building, and I feel like there's a core group of guys here who really, really want to do well for the city of Los Angeles. I mean, you know, despite some of his performances, David Bingham wants nothing but the LA Galaxy to succeed to no end. Uh, Perry Kitchen is the same way. Sebastian Lejet is the same way. Uh, Roman Alessandrini would, didn't even go home last year, so that way he could stay and train in Los Angeles to be ready for this season. This is a guy who bleeds the colors and so if you're going to give it to Jonathan Dos Santos, you're basically telling Roman Alessandrini, yeah, I mean, we're, we're glad that you're here, but, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be our captain. Jonathan Dos Santos, you know, the guy who hasn't played that much is going to do it. Um, and, you know, even Ola Kamara deserves it, I, I think, over Jonathan Dos Santos. Maybe it's a controversy, Kevin, that has no... That has no internal issue. Um, Maybe the Galaxy don't see it as an issue. Maybe the players don't see it as an issue. But I I think from the outside perspective, from fans and reporters' side, uh, we're looking at this saying that doesn't make sense. And it was sort of the two things that popped up whenever the lineup was announced was Ashley Cole on the bench, uh, which we were given no reason for. Um, so it was, uh, it was interesting to sort of see that. And then Jonathan Dos Santos with the armband and that raised a lot of eyebrows in the press box with Jonathan Dos Santos from, from people who cover this team on a regular basis. And it's something that definitely may creep back up whenever you're looking at, uh, what the LA galaxy do in the summertime. Now there, here's my other, here's a good segue for us, Kevin. We had Jonathan Dos Santos. We had Giovanni Dos Santos. We had rumors last week pop up from Spanish language media that the LA Galaxy would be looking to shop the Dos Santos brothers after the World Cup and that they were hopeful that the uh, that both of them had a very good World Cup so that way they could shop them and, and, and get a good return on them. Those were the rumors that were out there. Now, since then, there's been a lot of uh, statements out there and a lot of different things saying no, uh, that the Galaxy are perfectly happy with the Dos Santos brothers and that they want to keep them, blah, blah, blah. Chris Klein spoke at halftime uh, to uh, a large conglomerate. Basically, they invited a, a lot of the uh, the, the Spanish-language media that was following Mexico, Kevin, uh, for this game that is coming up on Monday. I, we're basically recording just before it, but um, for this pre-camp that's going on for the World Cup for Mexico uh, that's happening in the U.S. So they invited those reporters here. Uh, to the LA Galaxy game against San Jose Earthquakes, and there was a little press conference, a little mini press conference at halftime with Chris Klein, and that was the big question, is whether or not these rumors were true, Kevin, about uh, whether or not the Galaxy were looking to shop Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos, whether or not the Galaxy were happy with the production they were getting out of those guys.
2: Well, a number of things. I'm going to walk back that segue and just totally destroy it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, you know, what else is new? You, you talk about we didn't get any word. Uh, the media was not given any word on why uh, Jonathan had the armband and why Ashley didn't start. When, when we asked, the response from the official communications people was they didn't know the answer to either question. And I was I was shocked, shocked and appalled, once again, that the uh, Galaxy Media Relations staff did not have answers to uh, obvious questions. Uh, it seems to be another sort of a regular every everyday occurrence um you know the thing about as you know i've been out with the mexican national team this week uh, at their press conferences and and of course going to the game tonight um and osorio had something interesting to say in spanish the other day talking about the dos santos brothers one of the first questions that came up at his press conference and he said um he was very blunt um uh, unlike Ziggy, you know, when you ask Ziggy about the Dos Santos brothers, his response always—and if you look, it's been very consistent over, say, the last month. It wasn't like this at the beginning of the season. But as as um, uh, the Dos Santos brothers have not been starting every game and have seemed to continue to have lingering injuries, um, Ziggy's default answer always has been Jonathan is a tremendous player, and then he kind of leaves it at that. He doesn't really address Gio, and if he does, it's it has an afterthought. Well. Juan Carlos Osorio, the Mexican national team coach, was pretty blunt, and he said, we had hoped that Giovanni would be a player that impacts not only the game but also the score. But I believe that the expectations are very different from the actual reality. The only thing I have to hope for is that he will be 100% ready and that he will compete for a spot with the rest. That's pretty blunt. What he's basically saying is this guy is not as good as we were led to believe. He has been out to see the Galaxy play out more than once this season, and he's talked a lot to Zee Schmidt about what is going on behind the scenes. Why are these guys not out there? And I think when a guy picks a national team, he wants someone who is going to die for the crest. Um, So he does look at it a little, you know, I think he wants someone who's going to go out there and really perform for the shirt. And he looks at the club team and says, maybe this guy's not in it. But if the guy is repeatedly hurt and and repeatedly not there for the team, I think it does impact a a coach who has a decision to make. And Juan Carlos Sassori I'm sure, was at the LAFC game on Saturday, Carlos Vela played a tremendous game and and was taken down, physically taken down, a couple of times hobbling, stayed in the game, played the entire 90 minutes. Carlos Vela is trying out for the same national team as the Dos Santos brothers. He didn't seem to back off. He didn't seem to have an injury problem. You know, he's one of three players, uh, Laurent Simon, the, the center back and captain uh, at LAFC, and then the goalkeeper, Tyler Miller. There's three of them that have played every minute of every game. Carlos Vela is one of those three. He's the guy that's supposed to be the malcontent on the Mexican national team. He's the guy who's played every minute for his club team this season. So there, there is a difference. Um, some of the, the, the talk I've got from people around the Mexican national team is they, they think that Jonathan will make the team. They think that he is valuable. They think that he is fit. They think that he gives the team something that they lack right now, and especially if Andres Guardado can't play in the midfield, it's something that that uh, that they're going to need. Or if Andres Guardado, who just recently had surgery for a nerve issue, if he's not ready to play 90 minutes every game in Russia, and I, I think that's probably something that uh, is up in the air right now, that Jonathan would be a good pick for that team. And when they did not pick Jonathan Gonzalez and pick Jonathan Dos Santos for the provisional roster, I think people were leaning that way. It looks like Dos Santos made the team. Gio, he's redundant to a lot of guys. He, if he goes, I think, if Gio goes, I don't know that he would play. I mean, Vela plays in front of him. They have a lot of, of great attacking options. Chucky Lozano, they have a, you know, Chicharito. Um, they have a lot of attacking options. And so, uh, Olabi Peralta. So I'm not sure that Gio fits in there. But the talk has been that um, this Mexican team is so deep that they can probably afford to go with 22 players and then the 23rd person would be Gio and he would be there mainly to keep Jonathan happy, uh, you know, to keep the brothers together, that he would be there sort of as a guy, uh, not quite a cheerleader, not, not to that degree, but a guy that's probably not going to be counted on to make a contribution on the field. His contribution is to keep the Dos Santos family happy. Um, And if you want to look at that as an indictment of the Dos Santos family, that you have to have two brothers together so that one can play, uh, you know, that's fine too. I just, I don't believe at this point, unless Gio really shows something over the next week in camp, I just don't believe he's a guy that is in their plans on the field. He may indeed go to Russia, but I don't think he's going to go uh, with the intention of playing a lot of minutes.
0: Well, well, and to bring it all the way back then, uh, you look at what you know Chris Klein basically said. He said, listen... No matter what happened here, the answer was always going to be that the Galaxy are more than happy with the with uh, Giovanni Del Santos and Jonathan Del Santos, and they're just looking for them to be, you know, healthy and be more a part of the team. And clearly, the injuries that have happened so far, you know, we're thinking it doesn't matter whether the Galaxy are thinking about shopping them, Kevin. It, it, that's zero, it has zero effect on whether or not what Chris Klein says and whether or what the LA Galaxy will actually do. Um, is there some pie in the sky in this? Is there some some hey? Let's hope maybe the LA Galaxy have realized their errors of their ways with Jonathan and Geo, and mostly Geo, than Jonathan. I think Jonathan has been a good player for the Galaxy. I just don't think he was the player that they necessarily needed. Um, and we've talked about it last year, how that was, seemed like it was more of a fallback position than it was that they were going out hunting for somebody like Jonathan Dos Santos, and that's the guy, and they got their guy, and blah, 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 all this other stuff. Um, so, you know, it makes sense that Jonathan Dos Santos doesn't fit perfectly within this team, Uh, and so... You know, Chris Klein saying those things, which is basically what he said that the rumors are, you know, rumors, rumors are rumors, Kevin, and they don't pay attention to them and that, you know, the Galaxy are happy with Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos and they're just looking for it. So that goes that that goes all the way back to, you know, are the Galaxy trying to put a little makeup on the pig that they have right now by giving the armbands to Jonathan Dos Santos to maybe say, look, he's a captain on our team. Uh he's a guy who's a real leader. I mean, I guess we'll give him up, but the price is going to have to be right. You already had Mexican teams, Kevin, say that they can't afford the Dos Santos brothers, which is interesting because are they saying that they would like the Dos Santos brothers but they can't afford them? Um are they saying that there has already been talks involved that uh, that perhaps the Galaxy could go after uh, or that the Galaxy have been shopping the Dos Santos brothers already? Um Any statements that are given right now can be read uh, one of two ways. And it's unfortunately, there's no clear or defined answer in this stuff, Kevin, where it's like, Hey, yeah, the galaxy are definitely shopping. I would imagine the galaxy are shopping the Dos Santos brothers. I would imagine that that's where the rumor came from. I would also imagine that Chris Klein in the front office and everybody there is going to tell you how great they are in order to try to talk up the value of these guys and that anybody who's interested is going to say that they're too expensive. They can't afford them. And, uh, and they, it doesn't say they don't want them. They're just too expensive. Can't afford them. Can't do these things. And so it's going to be something we have to watch the progression of. We have to look and see how the galaxy go about shaping this team in the summer transfer window, because there are several issues with this team, the first one being they have no playmaker. There is no number 10. Uh, could you get somebody like an Ignacio Piatti, who seems to be on the outs with Montreal? If you move Jonathan and Gio, you have a You have two designated player spots open. What can you do with that? Do you go interleague? Do you go outside the league? Um, there's lots of things that could happen, and I think the Galaxy have to look to shape this team, not only for this season, Kevin, but for next season, and the summer transfer window is the primary transfer window, even though in MLS we call it the secondary one, especially coming off a World Cup. There are guys who are done with the World Cup that are looking to move, and it could possibly be some big names that the Galaxy want to land for Chicharito. A, Chicharito. Uh, 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 Cristiano Ronaldo. Kevin? Cristiano who's, Ronaldo?
2: Who's, yeah, Christi- who's, who, who's that again?
0: I don't know. He's one of the guys. Um, saying perhaps he's done with Real Madrid. Um, so you look at those things, and that's it, it, these are th- this is this is an important summer transfer window for the LA Galaxy. Whether or not they need defense, whether or not they need a playmaker, what do they need? But they need to do it, and they don't necessarily have a bunch of room. So moving the Dos Santos brothers does seem to at least, in my mind, make sense. Plus, with Geo's classic underperformance that he's had, uh, basically ever since he joined outside of the year he was paired with Robbie Keane, uh, we'll just call that an anomaly and a blip. Uh, whenever you look at that then you have to think that the Galaxy need to move the Dos Santos brothers. It's not just a matter of a want.
2: Well, there's some, you know, it's all about the art of the deal. There's salesmanship going on on both sides. Uh, Papa Dos Santos had talked earlier in the season um, that he didn't seem happy or the the brothers didn't seem happy with – uh, what they uh, expected their roles to be with the team, and that he was talking about a transfer to a Mexican league team. You might remember that. Um, I was told by uh, people uh, embedded with the Mexican national team that know Mexican soccer better than, than you or I, that that was all a smokescreen, that there was no way the Los Santos brothers were going to go back to Mexico. And still, uh, the feeling is they don't want to go back to Mexico, that they're really having a great time in LA and, and living the high life. And uh, we know from Gio's history that that seems to be uh, part of his his MO um by the way and i do want to remember that uh, or recall that when the previous coaching staff was here the bruce arena coaching staff there were people on that staff that told me that they were all that the coaching staff was unanimously opposed to to geo coming over in the first place because they looked at his at his record um his resume and it's been two years in each place and he sort of wears out his welcome much as he's done here he and you can understand uh that the shiny object syndrome if you watch Gio play, or you watch him train, and Chris Klein was a midfielder, and so was Pete Vienas, and, and they know how difficult some of this stuff is, and they watch him in training, and they see some of the things he's done, and it's mesmerizing. I mean, he, the talent that, that Gio Dos Santos has is, he's pro, I, I would say he's clearly the most talented player on the team, maybe even more than Zlatan, just the, the raw physical stuff that he can do. It's amazing, and if you don't believe me, go look at his goal from the 2011 Gold Cup final at the Rose Bowl um I don't know that you'll ever see a goal even the Gareth Bale goal in Champions League may not have been better than than that goal that Giovanni Los Santos scored against Tim Howard it was incredible so people see that and they know that that's in there and every team that Gio goes to believes that they're the that they have the combination to open that lock and get that talent out and it hasn't happened. And then, you know, they they went and got Jonathan. And I do think a part of that, at least, was to appease Geo. You guys want to play together? You're going to perform when we bring him, right? You're going to you're really going to help your your brother's going to help you, and you're going to be great, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, here he comes. We'll make him a DP too. We're essentially going to use eight million dollars and two DP spots trying to get Geo to play up to his capabilities. And it hasn't happened. And this whole World Cup thing. Um, is looming, and I think that this is a key moment in in the Dos Santos brothers' history in L.A., and the reason I say that is because if I've been expecting that Gio would play hard up until the World Cup, trying to prove he belongs on the team, and then the second half of the MLS season, he might not be as focused. Um, That has turned out to be a horrible prediction. In fact, he hasn't been focused preparing for the World Cup. It's, It's like he's been saving himself, so now the theory might be, Once the World Cup's over, once the pressure of that's over, it may free him to just be free and play and not worry about injury and not worry about impressing anyone and just go out and have fun playing soccer. If that happens, the second half could be a great uh, uh, second half of the season for the Galaxy and Geo. On the other hand, if he says... I'm done. Uh, you know, I'm not going to play in another World Cup again. Most likely, there's no reason to even try anymore. They got to pay me anyways. I'm signed through next season. He could come back and have a terrible season. And and the same thing if he doesn't make the World Cup team, uh, he could come back in a funk. So what happens over the next week to ten days could have a say a, a lot uh, have a lot of say rather. In how the Galaxy finished the season, whether they finished strong with a, with a totally committed Giovanni dos Santos leading the way, or whether they struggled to the finish trying to find a place for him on the bench or, or you know playing minutes off the bench um, because he's really not committed to helping the team. Um, I could be totally wrong. I mean, I, I really haven't sat down and talked to Gio about it because he doesn't sit down and talk about this kind of stuff. I, I can just go on what I observe and I think the next two weeks you're going to have a lot to do with how the Galaxy finished the season.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Again, another thing to watch as we uh, as we traipse through this season, uh, the LA Galaxy get ready to face off against FC Dallas 7.30pm on Wednesday, that is May 30th uh, at StubHub Center. The game can be found on Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes. We've already talked about uh, the LA Galaxy using this game as sort of a, uh, a, a measuring stick to see how they've done. Uh, played FC Dallas not too long ago. We'll see if Zlatan slaps, uh, or slaps anybody and we currently are and are still operating under the uh, assumption Kevin, that the that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has only been suspended for one game and that he will be back for FC Dallas. I imagine the team already knows that information uh, however, if you go to ask the team about that, they will probably tell you that it's not their information to tell um, and that blah 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 all the whole other what, stuff. No I,
2: way, not forthcoming the LA yeah, Galaxy? I, hey, huh.
0: hey man you know how it goes. I, whenever what, I talked
2: what do, you, what do you think of VAR by the way?
0: Uh, we, I so wanted to get into that. We're gonna run out of time before. We, um, yeah, I this you're talking to somebody who's a huge supporter of VAR. I think it's great. Uh, what in the heck is MLS and Pro doing? Uh, and people need to be suspended for what happened in Kansas City-Columbus game. Uh, there's there's pool report. If you go on my, my uh, at Jay Guessman on Twitter, I, I talked a bunch about this, and you can see it, and certainly you can see my frustration with this. Um, I know the pool reporters. I know pool reporters for the LA Galaxy. Mr. Kevin Baxter is a pool reporter for the LA Galaxy whenever he's covering the game. Uh, Scott French is. Damian Calhoun is. Those are our three pool reporters that are responsible for if they find something, they can ask questions to the referees after the game. Uh, the written questions that go through the whole thing. The fact that MLS uh, and Pro have decided that they're not going to discuss VAR decisions is a travesty and it doesn't help and that they're hanging on phrasing right now more than anything. Uh, They're worried about how reporters phrase questions more than just getting the information out. There's a clear open hand slap or a punch even in this game that is clear as day on VAR and nobody did anything about it. You can argue about uh, another call earlier in the game. That one at least is up up in the air for grabs. Uh, In this uh, Columbus-Sporting Kansas City game, it is a travesty of refereeing and the problem isn't VAR. Everybody can watch the video, Kevin. You and I can watch the video and we can make a pretty easy determination about about what we see and what happened. The problem is the people running VAR and it's the same people who have been screwing up MLS games for a while.
2: Well, there were two VAR calls, both uh, calls that were made and then overturned with the VAR in the LAFC game, one on a handball and one on Some other foul in the box. So I really wasn't even clear on what they were looking at for that one. But afterwards, um, it it probably cost LAFC a couple points because they had to play the second half with ten men. And Bob Bradley came in after the game, and the first thing he said is, "Don't ask me about the referee." And then he went proceeded to talk about the referee and VAR. But Ben Olsen, the DC United coach, who benefited from uh, the, the the call, well, benefited from two calls essentially, benefited from the red card that uh, left LAFC shorthanded. That call was not reviewed, but it appeared to be something that should have been reviewed because it appeared to be a yellow card at best. And then there was a handball uh, called against DC United, which would have led to a penalty kick, which would have given LAFC, presumably, a 2-0 lead midway through the second half and probably would have put that game on ice. That call was overturned. LAFC did not get the penalty kick. Anyway, Ben, ben Olson, the DC United coach who benefited, comes in afterwards, and he said, I think there's going to be games like this with the new system that in a lot of ways ruins the game. There's also going to be games where it makes sense. Today was a very choppy game. I've heard these weren't penalties. I heard they were penalties. You have a referee making a judgment call. Now you have someone else in the booth making a judgment call. And on a handball, he said, I don't even know what a handball is anymore. Nobody in this room knows what a handball is anymore. I barely know what offside is at this point. It's tough, and I think today was one of those days where it hurt the game. That's a guy that benefited and got a point from VAR, and even he can't get behind it.
0: It's, it's Again, it's a, VAR, in my opinion, is a great tool, but the people using the tool are totally screwing it up, and the fact that MLS and Pro are hiding behind not answering questions about this stuff. You have to answer questions. Somebody has to explain how an open-hand slap... By the way... A slap that was way more malicious than the ones Latan Ibrahimovic got a red card for and was and was taken out of the game. It's the same situation behind the play. Nobody saw it. You look it on the replay. It's clear as day. Make the call, and these referees don't do it. And they're not doing it. And it's the referees. It's not VAR. Stop blaming VAR. In my opinion, it's not VAR's fault. There's some there's some issues with VAR, but it's the people making these calls. They are just so asinine. It's ridiculous. That game was completely screwed up by that, by those calls. Uh, you would have seen a Columbus team go down to nine players instead of just having ten because they already had one red carded off. You can blame SKC for not getting any points. It was zero-zero game. That's how it ended. You can blame it for that. That's great, um, but it's just. These games are being ruined by poor decision making from people who know better, who are not doing their jobs. And that's that's VAR's biggest problem is that,
2: by by the way, I'm going to say I'm going to Panda is going to stand with his man, uh, Ibra. I know I'm wrong and I know the rules tell me I'm wrong and I know you disagree with me, but I don't think Ibra should have got a red card for that. The guy stomped on his foot twice. He reacted the way any of us would. Um, Maybe he should have kept as cool as Ziggy said, but. Um, the, the one in the, 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 the you're talking about was much more flagrant. I think, uh, Ebra was basically saying, get off my foot. Yes. Um, yes. so yes. whatever. I, yeah. I, I know you, you, you're going to tell me that the, the, the law of the land says he needs to get the red card, but he does, but that's I didn't, okay. it, that was not, I didn't see that as a, a malicious attack, which I think, uh, probably is the intent of giving a red card at that point that I was malicious and meant to injure. I don't think it was, I think it was just get off my foot.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I, I understand. It's still hands to the face, which is why it's a red card. Uh, we've seen all those all the time. I know what you're. You're right. You're right. If you were going to do this by complete fairness and not just go by rules, um, then yeah. But the hands of the face endangering the safety of opponent. Those things happen. That's how it was. That's what it does. But to say that it didn't happen in that Sporting Kansas City game, which if you haven't gone seen it, you can see replays of it all over Twitter. Um, and the fact that MLS needs to come out and say something. This is something I talked to um, to uh, Dan Quartermanch. What's uh, what's Dan's. Uh, 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 title again, it's VP of uh, Communications for.
2: I, I think uh, I
0: think it's propaganda czar. Yeah, VP of Communications for Major League Soccer. Uh, I talked to him at MLS Media Day. I said you need to do a better job. This was my only complaint about VAR. You need to do a better job of of. Of giving, people, of giving people an understanding of what happened with these calls. You need to communicate with the fans. You need to communicate with the press. You need to communicate with the players and the coaches. Everybody needs to understand why a call was made and why a call wasn't made and for the fact that MLS hid behind a, you know, basically they're saying, Kevin, if you asked a referee, you as a pool reporter, if you said anything about VAR, they're not going to answer it. You can't ask about VAR. The only thing you can do, however, is you can ask why Martinez from Columbus didn't get a red card in this particular minute of the game for slapping, you know,
2: I think Seth, Seth Sinovic. So the- you can't ask about VAR, but it can decide the game, but you're not allowed to ask. You're, you're supposed to cover the game, but you're not allowed to ask about the decision that dictated the outcome of the game. I mean, how how ridiculous is that just just on the very surface of it?
0: This is this is my frustration. I know this is a lot like inside baseball here in terms of, you know, what happens in the press box and things but this is stuff i've been arguing now since the beginning of this season and it's stuff that continues to be completely ignored by the league and if they don't come out and explain why uh you know sabiga didn't call didn't go look at the monitor or that the var official didn't flag sabiga to go look at the monitor for this and they certainly checked it and there was no review but they checked it you saw sabiga looking at his it's it's a trap you know what get rid of it then i'm out Kevin, as somebody who loves VAR, who thinks that it is a good tool, who will get things right, I've seen it misused uh, multiple times this year, and I've seen people make just stupid decisions because they overthink things or they hide behind rules of clear and obvious. They need to stop it
2: you got to be careful there because David Bigham said the exact same thing. He said if they're not going to use it right, get rid of it, and he got fined.
0: He did get fined. Ashley
2: Cole is not going to pay your fine. Ashley told me that you're on your own.
0: You know what? Ashley may pay my fine. You don't know that. Maybe I just need to ask nicely. Maybe that's how it works. All right. anyway, FC Dallas game coming up on 730. Spectrum Sports and at Spectrum Deportes, uh, FC Dallas coming off a Friday win up in Toronto. They beat Toronto FC 1-0. They're fourth in the Western Conference, 5-1-5 for 20 points. So the LA Galaxy could do a good job of seeing whether or not they are on the same level as FC Dallas. They were close last time. Can they do it at home? Does it switch that way? Does a home give them advantage? And it's certainly something that we'll be able to watch. All right, Kevin. What's
2: anything? the, the over under on shots on goal in the first 90, 80 minutes? In the first, I would have to say it's probably over two right wow right. yeah it's going to be an offensive juggernaut we're going to see on
0: now Wednesday. fc dallas is going to create a lot more chances i think the galaxy are also going to find some spaces there so uh this should this could be another high scoring game quite honestly i a think, shooting gallery i, I think <laughs> the galaxy will have difficulty keeping dallas in check as much as they were able to montreal and san jose in those last but, couple games
2: but this is going to be a hobbled galaxy team yes they're getting Zlatan ibrahimovic back I noticed how I said that. Yes, correctly. I did. Um, they're going to get Zlatan Ibrahimovic back, but they're going to be missing the Dos Santos brothers. So anything can happen.
0: So it's like every other game this year. All right, cool. Um, all right. So that's how it is. That's where it stands. The LA Galaxy sit in seventh place right now, just out of a playoff position right now, 12 games played five, six, and one. And of course the 7.30 PM kickoff against FC Dallas. Get there early, try as best you can. Traffic will be fun as it always is for a midweek Galaxy game. Kevin, anything else you want to talk about? that's it alright if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter it's at kbaxter11 and of course go on over to the LA Times latimes.com where you can find all of Kevin's writings about soccer World Cup LAFC LA Galaxy everything in Southern California soccer land that's what you want to make sure and pay attention to uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter it's at jguesman jguesman and of course at Galaxy Podcast and head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for our podcasts all our news our information our recaps our previews all that fun stuff on corner of the All right, we'll see everybody out at the game on Wednesday. Hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. Uh, it's going to be a busy next couple of weeks for the galaxy, and we'll be right here to walk you all through it. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy
1: from the box on corner of the You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on corner of the You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at galaxypodcast.com. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.